time for a new episode of the Highmark Coaches Show right here on the Penguins Radio Network with Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. I am Josh Getzoff. Coach, always appreciate you taking the time. Sure, it's my pleasure, Josh. Well, Coach, as I look at the calendar, we're about four days out from Christmas. The uh, the gifts wrapped? Are you finished? Well, my job's easy in my house. You know, I basically just have to buy for my wife, and she takes care of everything else. So it's uh, uh, I I'm pretty close to uh, to finishing what what I need to get accomplished for Christmas. So. Uh, this year, more than others, I'm I'm a little bit ahead of it, so I'm encouraged by that. Well, that's good. It's always good to be ahead of it than behind it. And for your team, uh, some gifts already of the two-point variety. And, yeah, I know that's cliche and cheesy, but I definitely just went there. Eight of the last nine for the Penguins in the win column. A big victory last night uh, against the New York Rangers, 3-2. Um, you've had some time to process that win. When you look back on it and kind of how the game went, how did you and your staff – uh, dissect it and see it land in Pittsburgh's favor to a two-point uh, gain in the points column? Well, we found a way to win, and I think from that standpoint, it's encouraging. I think good teams tend to do that. Uh, I don't think it was our best. And uh, what I mean by that is just I, don't, I, don't, I just don't, didn't feel uh, like we played with the same energy level, the same level of enthusiasm uh, that our team is accustomed to playing with. And uh, it's hard to be good at this game. In, in the absence of emotion and that was one of the conversations we, we had with the players in between periods and also after the game I thought you know it when you look at the the 60 minute hockey game I said this after the game last night in the press conference I still believe that after dissecting it today that uh, it, it was almost a tale of two games the first half of the game uh, you know the Rangers were the much better team and and we certainly weren't even close to being at our best and uh, we, we would just we weren't skating we weren't getting on top of people we weren't uh, getting on top of the puck we, we we just weren't establishing the game that I think uh, that we do establish when we're at our best and then I thought somewhere in the second period uh, we started to find it a little bit we started to find the juice that, that we normally play with that that gives us an opportunity to be at our best and uh, and and then from that point on I thought I thought our, our overall team game was pretty solid there were some glimpses there of the Penguins complete game as you mentioned uh, in the victory against New York one play in particular the uh, eventual game-winning goal every single guy on the puck or on the ice rather touches the puck uh, in a quick breakout that results in Sidney Crosby putting a backhander through the legs of Igor Shesterkin that made it 3-1. You guys win 3-2. But I was curious, kind of looking back on that last night and today, the breakouts against teams like the Rangers, maybe even the Hurricanes too, um, especially the Rangers with how they are in transition. If they create a turnover, they seem to be one of the better teams in the league and uh, coming back down the other way. Do you approach a breakout any differently when you face teams like that? I know at its core, the essence is getting the puck out of your zone, but is there more to it when you face teams that are a little bit stronger in that aspect of the game? Sure, there is. I, you know, it, every team's a little bit different in how they approach uh, the forecheck or uh, their team strategy and um, and and trying to defend against our ability to come out of our end. And so, you know, we have certain concepts, we have certain tactics and strategies that uh, you know that that we work on and and we implement from the start of training camp. We work on them daily, uh, and and then we also pre-scout our opponents and. Uh, based on uh, what we see in the pre-scouts and, and how teams are going to try to play against us, we try to make our players aware of uh, the options that might be available. And, and might is the operative word because one thing that, that you know, Josh, about this game is that it's really not scripted out. It's, it's not like you go back to the huddle and say, hey, we're going to run off tackle, right? It's, uh, it's an instinctive game, and, uh, and, and a, a lot of it is uh, – 
is just taking what the game gives you out there. And, and so players, to a certain extent, have to be problem solvers. But we have, to, we have to set them up for success. We've got to give them a game plan where we can be predictable for one another. And we try to, we try to show them areas that, that might be, uh, we, we might be able to exploit and take advantage of, depending on what our opponent's trying to do. One of those situations led to that goal last night in a 3-2 win over the Rangers, a victory for the Penguins that puts them back into the top three of the Metro Division. And we'll be back with much more after this right here on the Highmark Coaches Show. This is the Highmark Coaches Show here on the Penguins Radio Network. Coach, uh, I know that uh, we've all discovered, you've known it probably longer than anyone, Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby have something special when they're on the ice. There's a certain synergy there that makes them uh, almost impossible to defend. But on November 17th, you added Ricard Raquel back with those two guys. It wasn't necessarily something that was done for the first time, but it was something that was uh, brought back for the Pittsburgh Penguins lineup. And I know three guys don't necessarily make a team, but since you did that, the Penguins are 12-2-1 in the ensuing games. Um, is there something about Raquel's game that you feel like allows him to not only just be a part of that line, but be a factor uh, with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel on a uh, consistent basis or is it not just one thing is it a combination I think it's a combination of a lot of things I think Rax first and foremost is a really good player he just yeah. has really good offensive instincts I think one of his strengths is uh, his playmaking ability and 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 his ability to score his finishing ability those two things for me uh, I think is the competitive advantage or, or what makes Rax uh, overall individual game unique and uh, he's exceptional in those two areas and so uh, when you know when Sid and Jake uh, are are grinding down low and they're they're in the, the the trenches so to speak, Rax has the ability to make something out of nothing. You know you think the play's going to die and all of a sudden, you know he toe drags somebody and puts the puck through somebody's skates and and creates the separation that he needs to make a next play. He does the same thing off the rush. His ability with his deception just to to walk defensemen and. Uh, and and, and th that's the type of player that he is, you yeah. know. I I think reg regardless of whether we play him with Sid, or, Sid and Jake, or we play him with Gino um, and Zuck, say, I think he brings those elements to that line. And and we know that that you know that his uh, his skill sets playing with with Sid and Jake are very complementary. They've had success together. Uh, Rusty's had a lot of success together with Sid and Jake over the years. Right. Last year in the playoffs, they were dominant. And so w what, what, we, what we're really encouraged by is just our ability to move players around Sid and Gino to try to create competitive balance. And, and depending how players are playing, and there's a lot of things that go into those decisions, and we could talk for hours on that, uh, but I'll, I'll spare you the details. But there's a lot of things that go into those types of decisions. But what we really like is just the versatility that we have and, and Rack's overall game and his ability to complement our top two center icemen. Well, you mentioned uh, the top two center icemen, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel with them as well on that top power play unit now. And Todd Reardon talked to the media today. Coach, we gave you a day off to talk to the whole media, but not here on the Coach's Show. You can't avoid me uh, on the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, but Todd did say that that's not necessarily something that they've kept track of as far as the streak going on for the power play right now. Nine games in a row with a goal. You guys got two last night at a pretty opportune moment uh, in that game with Evgeny Malkin and Brian Russ scoring on the man advantage. But I'm curious, when you 
look at this situation of the power play and you look at the run of success here lately, I know that every single game is different, but is there something that's happening more consistently in your mind with the power play that's allowing it to be more effective? Because I think we saw in the very beginning of this streak, the second unit was scoring a couple of those goals. I remember Kasperi Kapanen had a couple early on. Uh, Rust had a couple early on. But now it seems it's Jake Gensel and Ricard Raquel and Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, and these are the guys that are scoring. So what's kind of changed with the, the top unit there in that time? I, I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's a combination of things that that's adding up to the success that these guys are enjoying right now and you know I think it starts with a lot of the little things it's uh you know it's having it's having people at the net when when we're shooting the puck so we're making the goalie sight lines difficult it's hard to score I don't care if it's five on five or on the power play in the absence of that screen in front it's just an essential part of scoring in, in today's NHL I think that's one that's one detail that that was absent earlier in the year you know we, we weren't getting to the net nearly enough and uh, I think we're doing a much better job there I think you know our puck retrievals when the when the rebound goes somewhere and uh, there's a question of control it's a 50-50 puck battle we're doing a great job you know just with the urgency of of getting to those pucks with numbers so that we're winning those types of pucks and that translates into zone time and when when our power play is gets zone time they tend to make the plays that are that are that, that they see and that that usually ends up in the back of the net. If if the longer our power play stays in the offensive zone, the better the chances are they're going to score. And and so a lot of these little things like retrievals and release plays and you know support of those those 50-50 puck battles, those are all the essential details that that are so important to to allow and given the power play an opportunity to do what they do best. And and then I think part of, part of it also I think is is just from a psychological standpoint, just the team confidence. They scored a few goals. I think they get a whole lot, whole lot more confidence as a result, and I think they start to feel it. And and when they do, they that's when the players tend to act on their instincts and trust their instincts. They get out of their own way, so to speak. And that's when my experience. That's when players are at their very best. And I think confidence goes a long way to helping that. One of those power play goals last night was from Brian Rust, a pretty uh, memorable celebration after he tipped a P.O. Joseph shot past uh, Igor Shosturkin. I remember it wasn't too long ago, Coach, that you had said that, yeah, the numbers aren't there for Brian Rust, but he's doing a lot of things right that are not showing up on the score sheet. You liked his game. You liked his effort. Now the numbers are there. He's got 12 points in his last eight games. I know Rusty in his career has been a traditionally streaky player since he's come into the NHL, but um, how have you kind of seen his game from the – production standpoint lift off here recently I think he I think he's getting better and better <coughs> excuse me I you know Rusty's one of those guys where he doesn't need to score every night to help our team win he does a lot of the little things uh on both sides of the puck uh to to help us have success we've added him to the penalty kill since we've taken him off the first power play unit and and he's one of our very best penalty killers right. you know I don't think it's any secret that our penalty kill has been on the run that it's been on you know we brought Teddy Bluger off of uh, off of the the injury list back in, back into the uh, the penalty kill. We've also added Brian Rust to that to that process, and these are two important guys. Rusty's one of our very best. Right. A lot of times when he's playing on the first power play, we don't use him on the first penalty kill because we're trying to manage his workload, and it's hard to be in 
be in all those situations. He's going to be playing 23, 24 minutes a night, and, and he's not going to have the, the, the juice to be able to play night in and night out. So we've got to manage workloads as well. So I, I think I think our penalty kill has been a lot better. So, And, and then his offensive game is, is – I think the numbers speak for itself. I, you know, he he's a a, a real good complement to Geno because of his conscientious two way play. His speed factor, I think, really helps Geno's line, uh, and he has real good offensive instincts. So he's one of those guys for me that, whether he shows up on the score sheet or he doesn't, he's helping the Penguins win. You mentioned Geno's line, Brian Rust on the right side there, Jason Zucker on the left, and he was back in that familiar spot last night after a two game absence. I, I think everyone kind of leaned a little forward in the seats in the morning when you were asked about the status of some of the players, and you mentioned that Jason Zucker was a game-time decision, which obviously meant he was close uh, to possibly getting back into the lineup. And then we see him play last night. Did it surprise you that he was back so soon? I know week-to-week was the initial timetable, so technically that does check out, but did it surprise you that it was only two games? Uh, no, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. We, you know, we weren't sure where, where it was going to fall, and yeah. that that's why we, we tend to be vague with our – you know, with our time estimates, uh, because every player's different. How they react to to injuries, we we try to give you guys a you know a ballpark figure on on where they're at, whether it's day to day or week to week. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that uh, you know that he was back as soon as he as as he was. Uh, he responded extremely well to the recovery process, and so we're uh, we're thrilled to get him back in the lineup. He's a big part of this team. It is interesting because I know last night you said that he's the type of guy. I think maybe Josh Archibald would be, fit this type of description too that drags you guys into the fight sometimes with how he plays the game. In games like that where maybe the, the fastball for the Penguins wasn't there in the first 20-plus minutes of the contest, how critical are guys like that? And to have him in that kind of an environment last night only seems to benefit the team in the, the late stretches of the game as well. They're essential. I, I think they're, uh, you know, your, your team needs to have a certain personality to it. And and uh, these guys are the characters, you know, so to speak, that bring us personality. They're, uh, they're vocal guys in the locker room. They're vocal guys on the ice. Um, you know, they, they tend to, uh, they tend to get under our opponent's skin, so to speak. And uh, with, with not only how they play and some of their physicality, but also with some of the trash talk that takes place out there, that the game away from the game, so to speak. And uh, these guys are good at that. And, uh, you know, Zuck in particular is really good at that. And, uh, and, and so when, when they're not in the lineup, we, you know, we're, we're a different team from that standpoint. And, and, and I think that's, that's part of what makes a team a team is when you bring different personalities together that bring different things to the table. These two guys are guys that, that, that bring that, that certain personality to our, to our locker room, to our to our bench, uh, and on the ice when need be, to you know to to get get our team. It, it, it's a spark, yeah, right? It's right. a it, when you, when your team's flat, these guys have have the ability uh, to uh, to ignite the group and, and the emotion and the energy that's necessary to win. It was a spark to two points for the Penguins last night. Just one game between Pittsburgh and the Christmas break as the Carolina Hurricanes come to town on Thursday, and we return next on the Highmark Coaches Show. We're back here on the Highmark Coaches Show, and Coach, last night, one of those great matchups within the matchup is Penguins and Rangers, obviously, no strangers to each other. Two teams pretty similar on the win-loss front and records and points and everything that comes with that, but also two great goaltenders at either side of the ice in Tristan Jari and Igor Shesterkin. Jari has now won seven games in a row. Igor Shesterkin 
has now lost one game in a row after seeing his six-game win streak snapped last night. Uh, not a hot sh- uh, high shot volume for either goaltender in that game. I believe Jari saw 26 shots, Shesterkin 28 if I'm not mistaken, maybe 24 for Jari as I'm thinking of it off the top of my head. Uh, but the Penguins get that victory. And Tristan Jari continues his elite level of play here lately for your team. Um, I know it's easy to say that he's doing things differently when he's winning games, but how dialed in is he? And what kind of an impact does that give you as a coach and your players when you see a guy every single night seemingly bringing it at such a high level? Well, I think he has such an influence on the group in front of him. He has a calming uh, influence. When When he's at his very best, he's a real competitive guy. But he has a calm demeanor in how he approaches the game. You know, I think one of his greatest assets is a, is his hockey IQ, just his ability to to read plays. And as a result, he he's good at anticipating and you know getting to the spots he needs to get to to square up to the puck. He makes a lot of routine save. He, he makes a lot of difficult saves look routine, and and that's when Jars is at his very best. And uh, I think uh, for this last month plus, he's uh, he's really been dialed in. He's He's just locked into uh, to his overall game. He exudes a certain confidence. I think that's contagious amongst our group. And, uh, you know, we, we go into games uh, with Jars knowing that, that we've got a competitive advantage in there. He's 11-0-2 in his last 13 games. I mentioned the Penguins having won seven in a row before that loss in Carolina on uh, Sunday night. It seems to be a part of a bigger theme across the league this year, Coach. I know you and I spoke in an earlier episode about leads not being safe in games and teams blowing two goal leads three goal leads sometimes a four goal lead on a handful of occasions uh this year not the penguins just across the nhl what do you make of the fact that it seems the teams pretty widely also in the league are winning three four five six seven games in a row but also then losing three four five six seven games in a row it just seems like there's a a roller coaster ride this year and you wonder how certain teams will be able to navigate it to a more consistent basis. Penguins hoping that they've done that right now, but uh, it does seem like that that's kind of been a story of the season within the season so far. Yeah, it really has. I, you know, I we, we went through a struggle there where we were winless in seven, and right. uh, and and since then we're we've been able to pull out of it and has put a pretty good stretch together. You know, you look around the league, and there's a lot of those types of uh, circumstances. And yeah. uh, I wish I had an answer for you, Josh, other than it, it adds uh, exponential more stress to the coaching staffs around the league, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, that. trying to put your finger on uh, on the pulse of your team. And, and when you are going through those stretches, how do you help them come out of it? And uh, and it, it's it's an interesting phenomenon that's occurring around the league. I'm, I'm perplexed at at the whys uh but i do think just the volatility of the scores have a lot to do with it it seems like scoring is up in the league power play percentages are up in the league um and and so by maybe by nature of just the the volume of goals that are being scored um it you know i I can tell you from just being behind the bench there aren't too many games where you feel like hey okay we got a safe lead here you know, I'm, I'm not sure what a safe lead is in today's modern NHL, yeah. and so you, you really you, you don't you don't have much of an opportunity to exhale. If you if you get a two or three goal lead, you got to continue to keep your foot on the gas and, uh, and and continue to 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 try to play the game with that that level of intensity that that got you the lead in the first place. Right. And uh, if you don't, you you're you're opening yourself up to one of those multiple uh, game 
swings that have occurred across the league right now. And uh, and so it, it really is an interesting phenomenon. I don't really I – don't, I don't have a valid answer for you on why it's occurring. Yeah, it has been crazy to watch throughout the league, even in the Metro right now. We remember that run the Devils were on, seemed like they weren't going to lose again, and now they've dropped a handful in a row and have dropped out of the top spot in the Metro in the process. So uh, a lot of moving up and down throughout the standings and win losses or jumping in either direction by the – three, four, fives, as I mentioned. Uh, but for the Penguins, it's a good time to string some wins together. As I mentioned, eight of your last nine you guys have taken, including last night against the Rangers. And I say that because every part of the schedule I think we've kind of figured out as its challenges. But when you're playing a Metro-heavy portion of your schedule, maybe it's magnified a little bit more just because of those proverbial four-point swings, Coach. But I also found it interesting that the teams you played in this four-game Metro stretch that you're in the middle of is Carolina on Sunday, the Rangers yesterday, Carolina again on Thursday, and then the Islanders out of the Christmas break. Those are the four, uh, three teams, I guess, with two in Carolina there, three teams right around you in the uh, Metro standings. Does that emphasize the four-point swing game more? For sure it does. You know, the, the, your division games are, are critically important uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I also think uh, – there's there's a heightened level of emotion associated with them because of the familiarity uh, of playing against these guys as many times as we have over the years. Right. And we've had our run-ins with with a fair amount of our divisional opponents over the years. And so you know we've got a ton of respect for for all of these teams. They're all real good hockey teams. You know you look at the Metro Division. Every it seems like every team wins. And uh, the run we we just went on and and, and are on right now currently. And uh, it, it doesn't feel like we've gained any separation yeah. at all in, from a standing standpoint. Right. And that's, uh, that's just the reality of it. We've got one of the most competitive leagues, uh, one of the most competitive divisions in the league right now with, with respect to the Metro division. And uh, so all the more reason when you're playing inside of your division the way we are, these games are critically important. Hopefully the Penguins can find a way to two more points with a big one. On tap Thursday night, the Carolina Hurricanes coming to town, and we, we're back next to preview that game and also look ahead to a certain game outdoors to kick off 2023 when we come back on the High Mark Coaches Show. Coach, there is four games between the Pittsburgh Penguins in the new year in 2023, and that means that once the calendar flips following those games against Carolina, the Islanders, the Red Wings, and the Devils, You'll find yourself in a familiar place. I'm sure you spent some time there in your youth, Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts, where the Penguins will play the 2023 Winter Classic against the Boston Bruins. I know that you're very much zeroed in on the next game, which right now is tomorrow night against Carolina, but I also see the smile creep across your face when I mention Fenway Park. Have you allowed it to, to enter your mind at all? Have you thought about it at all? Sure. Uh, you know, we, we, we've there's, there's obviously been a planning process leading up to this sure. that, uh, that's essential. Uh, and so I've been part of that process, and uh, and I, and I think as much as we're we're focused on the task at hand, and we're we're not uh, we're certainly not dwelling on that. I I think there are moments when we allow ourselves to go there in anticipation of what we all would consider a uh, you know a lifetime experience. And for someone like me, that's uh, that's born and raised in Boston, and and has has such fond memories of Fenway Park, uh, which for me is an iconic stadium. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, these these are some of the 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 moments that we'll cherish, uh, you know, someday when we're when we walk away from this game. And so uh, we're going to enjoy every opportunity uh, that comes our way with respect to the to the Winter Classic. We're excited about uh, being part of that experience. 
Uh, we're going to embrace the moment when 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 it it it, uh, it comes our way. Uh, but we also understand that uh, there's business at hand and there's two points on the line and. And we're going to make sure the focus is going to be where it needs to be when the puck drops. But, uh, but it's certainly something that that we're all looking forward to. Uh, this is this is a lifetime experience for all of us. I might be mistaken, but I saw some renderings of what the rink will look like here that were released over the last couple of days. I'm pretty sure you and your staff are going to be standing, and this is going to be my best attempt here, and I'm probably going to embarrass myself at uh, Noma Gassiapara's old spot there Noma. at shortstop. Yep, Dustin Pedroia's area there yeah. at second base. That's that's kind of cool. You're going to be right on the infield at Fenway Park with all these legends have played there before. Obviously, those two are just more recent ones. I know you go way back with the Sox, but Rick uh, Burleson was my guy. There, I, I was going to say you could tell you could throw a name at me if you wanted to. <laughs> but I, I think about like even from our perch in the booth, looking down and seeing you know the the foul pole and and everything coming up the the green monster. I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a unique day, and I know you mentioned it just a moment ago, but it just seems like it's going to be a special kind of day because of your background, and also the Penguins and Bruins are playing some pretty darn good hockey right now going into that game, too. Yeah, they, they really are. I think it's, uh, you know, the, the Bruins have had a great start to their season. They're a real good hockey team. You know, we feel as though we're a pretty good hockey team as well, and we're excited to uh, to compete on a stage uh, like the Winter Classic. Yeah. Uh, in an iconic stadium, I, I for me it just doesn't get any better. Uh, you know, the, obviously I have uh, personal reasons. You know, having been born and raised there and having a lot of extended family around there, so uh, that just adds a little more something to to my own personal experience. But as a team, I know all of our players. They're uh, they're excited about uh, about this opportunity to uh, you know to play against a real tough opponent uh, on a big stage like the Winter Classic. And and is what one of the the most iconic baseball stadiums there is. Yeah, it should be a fun day on January second. But as I mentioned, four games between now and then, the Carolina Hurricanes await in the final game before the Christmas break. You guys have seen them already two times. Once just a few days ago, back in Raleigh, two identical three-two losses to the Canes. Although one in overtime, one in regulation. Um, I feel funny asking if you learned anything about them because you've seen so much of these guys the last couple of years. But what have you come to respect about their game that maybe you guys have to focus in on even more on your side going into tomorrow night? Well, we know exactly, you know, the type of game that it's going to be played. You yeah. know, they're, they're the hardest man-on-man team there is in the league. Uh, they have a certain uh, belief in how they play, and it, it's uh, – I, I think that that's – the, the buy-in that they get from uh, from their players uh, in in how they play is uh, for me what what makes them uh, the team that they are and and so they, uh, they when you play against the Carolina Hurricanes you know you're going to have to work for every inch of ice out there and that's that's uh, that's the type of game that's going to be played we got to make it every bit as difficult as them as they're going to try to make it on us but uh, you know they're they're a team that has a real mobile decor their top four play 25 minutes a night. You know, each they're all big, rangy, mobile. They're not easy to play against, um, and and that's the type of team that they have. And so uh, we're going to have to be at our very best. It's going to take everybody. We've been in some really close games with these guys, games that could have gone either way, and uh, and so you know we we've got to we've got to find a way to have success, and 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 that's our challenge tomorrow night. But we got a lot of respect for this team. They're a real good hockey team. Uh, we're excited about the challenge, though. 
And we're looking forward to seeing that one. Pens and the Canes, the third of four meetings between the two teams this regular season coming your way Thursday night. Coach, always appreciate your time. Merry Christmas to you and yours, and we will uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Josh. Happy holidays to you as well. All right, that is Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. And a reminder, the Penguins and Hurricanes will drop the puck at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Phil Bork and I will have the call for you from PPG Paints Arena, 6 o'clock on the pregame show. You can catch that all here on the Penguins radio network. For Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan and our executive producer, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson, I am Josh Getzoff. We hope everyone out there has a happy holiday, and thank you for tuning in to the Highmark Coaches Show.